0: This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey the hosts of the show are randy frisch and tyler lessard find all links archives and more at contentprospodcast.com now here's randy tyler and this week's special guest
1: Welcome to the Content Pros Podcast. I'm Randy Frisch. As always, I get to say that I've got Tyler Lassard with me. And and today I do, but today is actually Tyler's last podcast as co host on Content Pros. So, this is, we're calling this the farewell party. It's just going to be myself and Tyler for the next 20, 30 minutes or so. And we're going to talk about some of the things that Tyler does on a regular day because Reality is on this podcast, you know, Tyler's brought a really interesting perspective of questions for the people who come on to the podcast, but and and we always see that video lean from him sometimes, but the reality is he's running an entire really Forward-thinking marketing team over at Vidyard, and you know we have always get to touch on some of the campaigns he's done, and I, I thought it would be really fun just to learn a little bit more about his take as a as a marketer, his focus on where content comes in. So Tyler, welcome not as my co-host today, but as our guest on Content Pros.
2: Hey, thanks, Randy. It's uh, it's great to be here on this side, and uh, it's been you know an incredible year or so as a co-host of Content Pros, and it's been a, a pretty phenomenal opportunity to meet a lot of great people and to learn a ton of things. Of course, myself, and of, of course, it's been fun. You know, I could talk about content marketing, digital marketing, demand gen uh, all day long. So um, you know, it's been really great. But uh, but I love this opportunity to share a bit more about what our own team has, has done because over the last uh, three to four years here at Vidyard, um, you know, I'm really proud of, of what our team has accomplished. And, uh, you know, we've always had a content first a thought leadership first sort of mentality within our organization. And it's, it's gone a long way to building out what I think has been a pretty compelling uh, content marketing program that's really fueled by our, our overall goals as a team.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny, Tyler. I, I remember when Jay Bear called me I, to talk about, you know, having a new co-host. Um, you know, I, I've been doing this podcast, I guess, for, for about three years now. And we've had a, a variety of different co-hosts, you know, come on and help me run this show. And, and you've done a great job with that. But I'm going to admit, I was pretty nervous when Jay told me about this. I remember where I was, as I was saying, I was in Vancouver, visiting some family. I get this call from Jay saying, you know, we're, we're going to try something new here, you know, and when he told me Tyler I was like all right I love Tyler like that's no problem but then it kind of settled it in I was like I don't know is he just going to talk about video all day long like he's so like video and obviously it's a video platform and an amazing one at that but I'm like is it going to be like the video content pros podcast um and you know I, I got to give you credit because I think you know you definitely have you know, real great insight on that video side. But, you know, you challenged a lot of our guests in terms of their thinking and brought out some really interesting ideas that go well beyond video. And And as a result, I think that's a great topic today to maybe even dig into how does that how does that mandate to, to balance content and diversity of content within your own team happen when naturally, you know, there's got to be an expectation, okay, we, we've got to go heavy on video. So maybe, maybe we can focus on some of the other stuff and, and almost from the top down of how do you, how did that get embraced through the company? Did you have to fight for that? Did you have to, you know, did the CEO just agree out of the gate? Yeah, absolutely. We can be diverse with our content assets.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it really goes back to the beginning and something I mentioned earlier, which was a, a commitment at an organizational level of being thought leaders within our market. And, you know, many years ago, we recognized we're in an emerging space, you know, we, um, we need to, of course, promote Vidyard, but as much we need to grow this market of, of video marketing and video selling and, and the, the areas that we're in, because it's relatively new. And, uh, you know, the market, frankly, really wasn't ready a few years ago. So there was always a commitment top down to investing in thought leadership and investing in a content strategy that supported that. And, you know, as we looked at that and thought about, well, you know, what does that really mean? Um, you know, as, as modern marketers, we, we sort of gravitated towards a whole range of different types of content that we felt would, would be needed to fulfill that. And, you know, we certainly, you know, have always had a slant towards video but we, we recognize, like anybody else, that um, you need a diverse, diverse set of content to appeal to different types of audiences, um, to appeal to you know, different types of actions, and to appeal to different stages in the buying journey. So we've always sort of held that near and dear to our heart of being you know, marketers first, um, being thought leaders first, and then letting the content trickle down from that. Uh, but one of the things we, of course, do have the advantage of is, um, you know, a strong commitment to things like video and rich media that that help us, you know, make sure we cover that area in addition to those other things that
1: we do on a day to day basis. Right. So maybe you can talk about how you figure out what format is going to be best for the audience. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of guests on this podcast who have helped us educate in terms of thinking about that buyer journey. Um, you know, I'm remembering one Probably about a month ago, people can go and check at contentprospodcast.com with Stephanie Toddy. She actually went in and talked about how we map that buyer journey, if you will. I I think she talked about having an Excel sheet and the different stages. So is that that a similar type of approach to the way you're taking it, where you think first about who you're going to engage with and then the format? Or do you create the format and then kind of map what the assets you have to the different stages in the buyers.
2: Yeah, there, there's certainly a little bit of both. We take kind of both angles of defining, you know, our target audiences, of course, and, and those sort of, you know, key messages at each stage of the buyer's journey and make sure that we've got a content strategy to nail that. But in parallel, we also give our content team, um, you know, some independent capabilities to define sort of a parallel track of of content that, you know, we believe is important to, again, just sort of further that industry thought leadership, our SEO targets and things like that. So we try to kind of nailed both sides and walked that fine line. Um, but, you know, one of the the really big things for us and, and my perspective on this, you asked, you know, how do we figure out what's the right content type for the right audience member at the right stage? I don't think there is ever a silver bullet or a single answer to that. Um, hopefully I'm not contradicting something I've said in the past on this. Um, but I mean, honestly, I feel like, you know, is every, everybody's different. And, you know, there could be somebody in a certain role at a certain stage of the buyer's journey, who's going to prefer a long form, you know, ebook as something they want to engage with and, and you know, consume offline, somebody else who's going to want to watch a two minute, you know, product video, and somebody else who's going to want to watch a three minute customer story. So, you know, I believe that, you know, you really do need that diversity and content types to appeal as broad as you can to those different audiences. And there's never a one type or or a one size fits all. And it's a challenge to really balance that and think about, well, how do I, you know, how do I manage that? If I'm thinking about this message, I have to have a blog post and an infographic and a video and all these different types. Uh, but that's just where you got to really, you know, be smart about how you repurpose content, how you use kind of like hub and spoke models to think about a hero asset. And then, um uh, uh Sort of, you know, content assets that can stem from that um, derivative content pieces, things like that. So, I'm 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 really passionate about that, and think a diverse portfolio of content, if you will, is um, is is the key to success today.
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny as you talk about that, one of the stats that I've become obsessed with of late and you know, it's, it's almost in like every presentation I've been doing lately, both internally and externally is this, uh, we we've all seen it before. It's from Gartner or CB and it talks about how, uh, I think the number these days is 6.8, uh, decision makers way into the buying decision. Right. And, you know, as you were s- describing the need for different assets for not just different stages, but sometimes just different people. I think that, you know, the two go hand in hand. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you think about different buyer personas uh, at Vidyard. And first of all, I mean, first of all, how many do you prioritize? How many do you have? And how many do you prioritize from a content creation perspective?
2: Yeah. So we have, you know, probably uh, in the area of six to eight key personas that we focus on, you know, as a marketing organization, as we're producing content and and sales enablement tools and so on. Uh, But we really focus in on about four you know, key personas at, at any given time, you know, we, we try to chunk our activities into either like quarters or half years or whatnot, where we try to apply a bit more focus. And so generally, it's three to four key personas that we're focusing on as we develop, you know, a, a series or, or a portfolio of content. And, you know, one of the things that, that we found is, again, this importance of testing different types of content, different formats, different lengths, to see what's going to work with some and, and perhaps not with others. And, you know, we have learned some things we target, you know, one of our personas, are uh, demand gen leaders within marketing organizations. Another persona is content marketers and video producers. And then another persona, we also sell into sales teams. And so we target sales leaders as well as individual sales reps. And, you know, by just again, testing different formats and types, we found uh, strong differences in what they'll engage with. You know, we find, you know, um, marketers in general are are more apt to attend, you know, or, or at least register for and attend longer. Form webinars, for example. But when we do a 45-minute webinar for a sales audience, it's like crickets, right? They're just like, no, thank you, right? But but if we serve up a, um, you know, a two-minute how-to video to a sales audience, you know, that's gotten really good traction. And so, you know, you'll you learn, again, there's, you know, some of the marketers prefer, you know, written longer form content. And again, some of the, the sales reps and, and sales leaders we've seen tend to prefer also peer-based content. So things where we have other sales leaders talking tend to get higher performance than those where we're the ones trying to espouse our knowledge. So you you learn those nuances as you go, but you can only learn it, of course, as you you test different ideas and, and different formats.
1: That's really interesting. And, and how do you get that insight um, to figure out what format is actually working? I, I mean, obviously on the video side, you guys have really great insights to understand when there's engagement, when there isn't. Uh, what's kind of your system of record for that? And who on the team? And, and, and I'm I'm really curious about this one. It's not just one of those, you know, we have to ask the ROI questions, but it's Yo, know, is this the content team's responsibility? Is this the demand gen team, team's responsibility to figure out what format is actually working? Because I'm going to assume that's living your marketing automation platform, but maybe elsewhere.
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's a really important point, because we are, uh, you know, lucky enough to have invested in marketing automation, as well as, um, you know, attribution reporting solutions and and sort of a practice around, um, you know, ROI and, and attribution tracking for a number of years now. So we've, you know, we've built that into the systems. And, you know, we're able to track at a content asset level, at a campaign level, at a channel level, um, you know, which which content pieces or which programs are generating, um, you know, engagement, which ones are generating lead flow, and which ones are generating or influencing pipeline and revenue. And so, you know, it, it takes a while to get there to, to mature the systems enough to be able to get to that level. Um, but we're, you know, we're lucky enough to, to be there now. So so we are looking at all those and we, we want to be mindful of that because there isn't, again, not necessarily a single metric that everything ladders back to, of course, revenue would be that one. But if you think about, you know, our our blog is all about, uh, you know, inbound engagement, audience building, and we're more interested in those sort of top of funnel metrics. So we look at the types of blog posts that are generating link backs, um, you know, which ones, of course, are are keeping audiences engaged, which ones are, are seeing the highest returns there. But on the flip side, our demand team will look at longer form content assets they'll look at um, you know webinars they'll look at thought leadership interviews and other videos we do from a lead gen and a pipeline perspective and so there we'll see you know as they distribute those to our audience or via third-party channels which ones are performing best with respect to downstream you know pipeline and and revenue influence and and those are the things that that we care about at the end of the day
1: that's really interesting so so usually at this point to kind of you know reveal the the cloth in uh, wizard of oz you and i would be typing to each other because we're never in the same room when we do these podcasts and i'd be like tyler like i think we should take it to the to the sponsor break right now so, but now it's all on me i mean you're the guest i just have to figure this stuff all out so we're going to do a quick break here we'll be right back on content pros on tyler's
0: farewell party Hey everybody, this is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert reminding you that Content Bros is sponsored by Uberflip, a cloud-based platform that helps marketers like you create personalized content experiences to showcase the content you've created you, not IT, you can create engaging content hubs that your audiences will love. I use it all the time. My team uses it all the time. With Uberflip, you'll deploy content faster, accelerate your lead gen, and enable your sales team with personalized content throughout the sales cycle. Go to uberflip.com pros, uberflip.com pros to find out how you can be a content pro by showing your company that the content experience matters. The show is also brought to you by my friends at Vidyard, the new generation video platform that helps you unlock the power of video today. Love, love, love Vidyard. Use it all the time. Super easy, interactive, personalized video experiences. You can boost your online conversion rates, track the true performance of your video content well beyond the view count. Visit vidyard.com today to see how you can use video to deliver better results across all of your marketing programs. Also want to remind you that my team and I at Convince & have a brand new free ebook I'd love for you to take a look at. Go to bit.ly slash broken content. That's bit.ly slash broken content. It's called The Four Ways to Fix Your Broken Content Marketing. Put a lot of work into it. I think you'll love it. Thanks, as always, for listening to Content Pros. Now, back to the show. We're back here
1: on Content Pros Podcast. I've got Tyler Lessard on his final Co-host slash guest podcast with me, and we're we're just kind of uh, you know talking about the way we each go to market on our content strategy. And I want to run something by you that that actually happened on my team about a week or two ago. And uh, we're we're nearing the new year, we're nearing the new calendar year here, and we're trying to kind of think of you know what's going to be our new stance going into the new year. And uh, you know The person who, who oversees our content strategy here came and he had this really creative idea. I won't go into the idea, but the, the, the real you know, di- dilemma here was that his approach was this would be a campaign where we would release 28 pieces of content for the month of February right and and each each of those assets would be you know really great, um, and the idea would be that we'd have this twenty eight day campaign and I said to him, I'm like, yeah, like I really like the idea, the creative was really good, the concept was really good. I'm like, but what do we do with it after February? like if it's twenty eight days, it's super cute for February um, but you know, the challenge then becomes, how do we use it? You know, Say we go to a, you know, an event and we come back from that event in April. How do we use that? And he's like, oh, well, we'll just repurpose it at that point. And I'm like, well, why do we have to repurpose it? Why don't we start to think about our content creation, whether it's the assets, whatever it is, more around the lens of a program as opposed to a campaign? which is, a, you know, it's to a degree, it's semantics. But at the same time, it's it's a real big debate that I think we have. And I guess if I'm to put this question to you, because I think at, at Video, you guys have done some awesome, I w- I'll call them campaigns. I mean, I, I love what you did with Stranger Things back at the Halloween. Uh, you guys do your your chalk talks. you got a lot of different campaigns that go on. How do you think of them in terms of being created for a certain, you know, moment in time versus a set of assets that continue over time. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, um, I'd love to say that
2: everything we do, you know, gets repurposed and lives on forever and are the gifts that keep on giving, but, um, but that's not always the case. So we do try to, to balance things. And and I think, again, that's, that's a really important strategy is to have a bit of a balanced approach to that, because if everything you do are one and done campaigns, then you're just, you're constantly fighting fires and you're always trying to, you always feel like you're behind because you're trying to get the next campaign out while your, your lead flow is waning. Um, But on the flip side, if if everything is, you know, long term programs that are repurposing, then then you miss some things that could be very timely in the market or relevant in a a, a certain period. So we we do try to balance. It's a bit of a cop out answer, but we try to balance both. Um, We will have uh, you know, we we use an agile process in our marketing team where every three weeks we revisit what are we going to do in the next three to four weeks. And, um, you know, some of those are going to be continuation of long term programs. And some of them are going to be net new, it'll be like, Oh, hey, we just heard we're, you know, one of our competitors is, you know, really suffering right now. And let's fire up a competitive campaign, because there's a big opportunity. I won't mention any names. But yeah, that's something we're doing right now. Because our sales team, you know, a couple of weeks ago said, we just want a couple of big deals. And we found out that our competitor is forcing customers to upgrade or to change platforms. And we're like, great. So like in two weeks, let's launch this competitive campaign, we're Going to produce a personalized video that will, you know, go out. We're going to arm the reps with some new, um, you know, creative assets that are competitive, and that's going to be something that it'll be a bit of a one-time campaign. But of course, those will be used, you know, in the future by the sales team. Um, so I, I think you have to be nimble and do both. But I'm going to give you one example that we just did that I think is, is similar to the idea of the 28 days of of, of content or whatever you'll call it. Um, we just recently ran, we, we do a virtual event twice a year. And uh, we call it fast forward. And we just did it in um, November of this year. It was awesome.
1: I, I was honored to be you know one of the sessions on it. Thank you.
2: Well, I think, uh, and 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 thank you for for being there. And you can tell the caliber of content when we have wonderful folks like Randy first presenting. And um, so, one of
1: the uh, you, you of just the... want to be invited back as a guest now. I mean, I never get <laughs> used to get that stuff from you. Thank
2: but... <laughs> <laughs> you. Uh, so, um, but one of the great things about that was, and, and why I love this, and why I love I love that idea of doing like let's February, let's do three. It's this really great sort of rallying point and call to action for the team to, to come together and band together and produce a lot of great content in a relatively short period of time. And so for fast forward, the really cool thing was, we say, we're gonna throw this great virtual event. And for me, it was almost an excuse to go out to thought leaders in the market, to partners, to customers, and to sort of rally them into, you know, doing some sessions with us. And if I had gone to, you know, say yourself, Randy, and said, hey, do you want to do a webinar for us? You would have been like, I don't know what's in it for me. But when I come and say, we're doing this virtual event, you know, we've got folks like, you know, A, B and C speaking, and we're going to have 2000 attendees, then, you know, then there's a greater incentive for you to, to participate. And it's got, it's sort of bigger than just Vidyard. And for us, it was really cool because we got, you know, it was about 20 or 25 sessions as part of that virtual Event, You know, we planned it for a good three, four months. But now, like my content team is just like they're, they're stoked because they've got all this great content that they can reuse throughout literally the next year um, and repurpose them as blog posts as on demand webinars. And one tip that, that I had was, we made sure this time that the branding around the presentations wasn't specifically fast forward branding. So the event was, but each session was its own brand so that we could take it out and repurpose it outside of the virtual event itself. And again, make them the gifts that keep on giving. So I love a program like that as a rallying point to get everybody together to produce a bunch of great content in a short period of time and even get others involved to make it something bigger than just a, a single piece.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. It's, it's funny. I, I asked the question and, and I I guess I'll cop it too. We I agree. We need to do a balance. Uh, and, it, and it's interesting, you know, it, it is holiday season, uh, you know, right around now. And one of the things that as much as I think we have to move more to program-based content, uh, you know, one of the exceptions that I will never give up for our team is the importance of a holiday campaign, right? Now, you know, regardless of whether it's there to last or you can get it out long enough, it is the most bonding experience for your marketing team to put together a holiday campaign. I don't care how big or small it is. Everyone rallies and it almost doesn't matter. I mean, like I I'm, I'm a Jewish guy. Like I, but I love Christmas. Like it is, you know, I'm all on board anytime there's, you know, a Christmas tree or an, a, an opportunity to celebrate and our team recently, we did, I don't know if you saw it yet, Tyler, but we did this uh, campaign called uh, ABM saves Christmas. And, you know, it plays off the idea of Santa as the ultimate uh, ABM marketer who needs to deliver personalized gifts, you know, to every kid around the world. Um, and, uh, you know, our team just had fun with it because it was something they could all wrap their heads around. It was something our audiences would, um, but more than anything, it's, it's, as you put it, it's those opportunities for your team to come together and rally around a big project, which is really important for for team building aside from targets. The thing that I love about them is it's something
2: that we put out to our audience that um, are, are the ones that generate really personal, emotional responses from people, and 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 it's not the like you know oh we're not so focused on lead generation, but we're you know we're, we're thinking about like how can we just connect with people on a more human level and put a smile on their face. And you mentioned, uh, you know, at, at the Halloween, we did a spoof of Stranger Things, which season two was launching at that time. And we did a uh, Stranger Views. And we did a bit of a spin on the plot where, uh, you know, there were unknown people from the upside down watching your videos. And, of course, you know, this, this fun character from Vidyard, who was, was a playoff of, off of, uh, of 11, was uh, there to help you sort of identify these unknown viewers. And, you know, it was, uh, it was so much fun to, to build as a team to put out there. But the response we got, you know, I actually had a, um, a prospect of ours complain because they didn't get a personalized version of that video sent to them like it was like an epic moment as a marketer where I had somebody complain that they weren't included in a campaign that we launched. And so of course we spun one up, we sent it to them and they're like, thank you, thank you. Um, but like those moments where somebody like asks to be added to your list because they want to see your content is like, you know, so warming to the team. And you, you typically don't get that with a typical, with a traditional demand gen.
1: Tyler, I love that. I mean, like, I think that's the dream of every marketer that, you know, people are craving our marketing, they're engaging in our marketing, they're loving our marketing. And and, and I think you know. Kudos to you and your team because quite often I am very envious and showing some of your assets to my team. So you guys are are definitely executing on that end. Uh, you know, I know we said we were going to talk about diversity of content, but I, I can't help. I mean, you know, you're the video guy, so we got we got to touch on video at some point on your farewell tour here. And you know, it's funny, I, I think I've actually increased my buy in into video, and I was already. I mean, you'll you'll agree, I'm a, I'm a pretty bought in video guy, but. I think more and more these days, video is just helping us, you know, stand out. And I'll, I'll give you an inefficient way that I'm doing though, th- doing so these days. And maybe you can give us tips of, of how to do this better. But one of the things that, that I love as a channel for distribution of content is LinkedIn. I, I think it's, you know, probably still the best social, you know, Platform for doing so these days, and uh, one of the things I've found though is that when there's a video embedded on LinkedIn that you have to play and it's got to open up in the separate app, it's you know it's that extra step that you have to do. Whereas when you actually have that native video playing, so what I've actually started to do, you may have noticed on my LinkedIn feed lately, I'm like getting the MP4 files and uploading them onto LinkedIn, which is like terrible process, um, really clunky, but. The engagement I'm getting, the views I'm getting, the comments I'm doing when we do these things are above and beyond. So I guess how maybe, you know, without strictly answering on LinkedIn, how do we get to this more video on demand world where it's where it breaks through because it's easy to consume?
2: Yeah, well, I think you you nailed it with the the notion of being easy and, and what we need to do uh, as a as a collective is, is make video easy to create as well as easy to share and consume. And you mentioned easy to consume, but, but we, we need to, to make all of that really simple for people. And and I think that's when you'll really see an explosion of it. And you made a perfect point there of, you know, if I want to do native video on LinkedIn, it's still a, a bit of a chore. Um, and I feel like I'm jumping through hoops. Um, you know, Facebook's a little bit easier and uh, you know, kind of recording it natively sharing it. Um, but I, I think as you know, that's, that's the crux of it. And um you know, today, I think it's a lot easier than ever to create, you know, good video content. And you know, we see people using their iPhones, we see, you know, of course, it's it's only a few hundred dollars to buy a good quality DSLR camera. Um, you know, video editing software comes, you know, native on a lot of, uh, you know, laptops these days. So I think for, you know, a lot of people, and I think like yourself, it's, you know, I strongly encourage, like, just start doing it, just start trying it. You know, if you don't have a dedicated video person in your team, Maybe like give it a whirl yourself, or ask around of who has you know some video capture and and editing skills that can help out, and things like that are a great place to start, right? Like you know I'm going to record a quick you know thought leadership conversation, or I'm, I'm going to answer a question and um, you know put that on LinkedIn or put it on our our Twitter or Facebook channels, put it on our blog, right? Like why not? Those are things you can do you know pretty easily. And one of the big things that we're focused on right now, you know, both within our team and also within our product is that notion of of making it easy to do these things. Um, You know, we launched a tool a little while ago called Vidyard Go Video that enables anybody to just hit record from their Chrome browser, you know, record from their webcam or do a screen capture, and then one click to embed the thumbnail image in, in their email and send it out. And you don't have to worry about dealing with an MP4 file, right? And what was really cool about that, like we saw it take off like crazy, and it was because of that simplicity like for like sales reps use it to quickly record and send solution consultants to record a quick demo and it was actually a really um, big turning point for us as an organization because we realized we've been focused for a long time on all the like really advanced capabilities of, of analytics and and these and interactive video and then we realized a lot of our customers were asking this is all great but We need to create more content more easily. And so that focus on just simplifying that process went such a long way. And so I think that's really the next big, big phase for video in marketing and in business. Is um, is just enablement and making it easier and easier. And I think tools like LinkedIn have to make it easier to record and share um, without having to jump through hoops and deal with things like .mp4 files, which most people don't want to care about,
1: right? Absolutely. I mean, look at look at Snapchat, look at Instagram. I mean, that's that's the standard these days, and these other platforms. I have to catch up, and I think similarly to your point, as marketers, we have to catch up, right? We, you know, we need to. I always say we need to emulate what's happening on social because that's where people go for content, right? That's you know, people go to Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. Um, you could say they go there to waste time or or invest time, but ultimately they're there for content, and we as marketers are competing with those channels. In some cases, we're on them competing for attention, or when we think about content on our site, we're competing in the same way. So we got the video plug in there. Uh you know, we're we're running we're running down on minutes here together, but maybe, you know, maybe just as a recap, maybe you can talk about some of your uh you know favorite moments maybe it was a, a specific uh, podcast guest that we've had that you' were able to take to your team uh, you know I know I've done that all the time where I'm like okay you know you on my team you need to go listen to that guest that we just had sometimes I'm even getting the recording before it goes live because I'm like so excited about it but is there any big takeaway moments that that you've had in in, in your tenure with us
2: um, you know it's a great question um, there were there were a lot um, you know one one guest that that I... um that I refer back to quite a bit myself now was, was Jay Acunzo, um when we talked about, you know, intuition and the importance of, of really, you know, kind of trusting yourself and, and being a bit more creative in your approach to marketing. And he also talked about the idea of creating series of base content in, in B2B. And, and that actually was one of the um, catalysts to us doing our, our Chalk Talk series. So um, so that one was, was, I think, really great for me. And it, it kind of broke that norm of, you know, the idea that, you know, you don't always have to prove everything with the data don't quote me on that everybody but um but you know, having a bit more fun using your intuition as a marketer. And today, that's actually still our secret weapon, right? Because everybody's got access to the same tools for, for tracking and reporting Our still unique, you know, uniqueness as marketers is our human element of our creativity, um, of our empathy with our audiences. So, so I loved that. And there were a lot of great conversations we had on those topics of storytelling, you know, having customer empathy, understanding the pain points in the market, and developing great content to address those. And and I think the the really overarching Theme of that, which I, you know, will, will take to the grave as a marketer, is the importance of an outside-in approach to your marketing, which is understanding the audience and their pain points and letting that drive what you create, as opposed to an inside out approach, which is, you know, here's what we do. Here's what I want to tell you. I hope you listen. Um, so I think that's the the really big one that I kept hearing over and over again, that, that has stuck with me is, is that importance of audience, empathy, storytelling, and an outside in approach to marketing.
1: That's great. Yeah. Jay, Jay has become the man on the scene. Like he's, he's like the number one requested keynote speaker now. So, and I feel like I feel like we had him even before he fully took off on this podcast. So, um, you, know, you listen, people come to content pros and they, they make their career. So we always throw a question at the end just to get to know the person. And, uh, you know, I feel like we've all gotten to know you really well. But I'm, I'm curious because you're always really in with the trends, right? I know you got young kids. So you know what the, the kids are, are focused on. And then you, you had the Stranger Things uh, you know spiff that uh, spoof that we talked about, which I mean I, I'm truly depressed right now that stranger things 2 is done for me. I, I mean that, that show is amazing and I won't give any spoilers here. but maybe you can tell us like what are you either watching uh, on on Netflix or you know engaging with in the communities that you are involved in that you plan to infuse into your next, big marketing campaign? Like, can you give us a, a sneak peek of something you're really excited right now that you think you can have fun with next?
0: <laughs>
1: that's a good question.
2: Um, so one of the things, so on, I watch a lot of different, I try to watch a good diversity of shows, but I'm, I'm a sucker for, um, you know, kind of crime thrillers and whatnot. But the, the one thing that's got me going right now, and Randy, this is going to be a plug back to you, to, to thank you for spawning this idea was when I got the opportunity last summer um, at the Content Experience Conference to be a um, participant on the Content Feud, which was your family feud version. Um, I had a blast, and I thought it was just a, a brilliant thing where we got to go up there and uh, you know answer what are the top five. Uh, you know, for different questions and content marketing, and and that has stuck with me because we've always talked about parody, parodying uh, game shows and and popular game shows in in our marketing because it's such a fun thing to play off of, and uh, so that's actually one that we've come back around to, and I'm really hopeful you'll see some fun campaigns from us in the near future that are uh, you know great spinoffs of popular game shows from uh, from many of our childhoods um, as a nice nostalgia play as well. So I'm I'm really hoping we can pull it off because if we if we can. And there's some really brilliant ideas about how we can work those.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. We, we've had a ton of fun with that, that, uh, event and by popular demand, it will be back at the next, Con, next coming coming <laughs> Uh, we, we really have no choice. Um, uh, <laughs> So, so, Tyler, I, we're pretty much out of time here. I, I want to take a moment just to thank you. I, a lot of people ask me why I continue to do this podcast, and you know, for me, I always say, aside from hopefully sharing you know great inf- insights with the people listening, that this is selfishly something I get a lot from because every week I'm talking to a real thought leader in content in marketing who's challenging the way I'm approaching it with my team, how our company's approaching it, and and just giving me new perspectives. And you know the real refreshing thing for me over the last you know time that we've spent together co-hosting here is not just having that from the guest, but having that from you. You know, challenging people, challenging my my thinking, and uh, I thank you for being part of this. And uh, hopefully, uh, we will bring you back as as a guest. You know, as we head into the new season, which we're gearing up for, um, and if uh, people do have time to to listen to the next podcast next week you'll get to meet my new co-host i'll keep you in suspense so that you, that you wait to hear who that's going to be but in the meantime tyler thank you so much and you know give you an opportunity for any last last words and and ultimately you get to close this thing off this week
2: <laughs> well, thanks a ton, and I really appreciate the kind words. It really has been a, a terrific experience uh, having the opportunity to, to to work with yourself and and uh, all the great guests that we've had. Um, and I, I think you know a lot of the um, the the ideas that I've brought to the table, frankly, are things that have bubbled up from my team. And so um, I'm going to do one of those. You know, I actually want to thank the team that I have here at Vidyard because they've all made me um, you know the, the 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 marketer I am today. And my advice for all of you is hire a better content marketer than yourself, hire a better demand gen person than yourself, Um, you know, find smart people who can teach you every day, Um, you know, be a strong leader, but, um, but, you know, get good folks around you that you can learn from that are are real experts in their craft. Um, Because when you find those people, it's a it's a whole different ballgame what they can bring to the table. So, uh, you know, keep keep always keep an eye out for for good talent and, and learn from them. Um, which is what I've done here, so um, and, and of course also from our guests and, and from yourself, Randy. So, so thank you very much, and I look forward to continuing to uh, to listen. And perhaps you'll have me back as a guest uh, again at some point in the future. And I'll share what we've been up to uh, over the next year
1: here at Vidyard. Thanks so much, Tyler. This has been the Content Pros Podcast. I'm Randy Frisch. A great farewell to Tyler Lassard from Vidyard. And please check out all the other podcasts at ContentProsPodcast.com.
0: This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com.